Hi, my name's Lee I. Anson, and you're listening to Paragon Skills Candle Conversations, where we have open and honest conversations about the care community at large. Today, I'm joined by Mark Tops. Um, Mark is an award-winning social care leader who has spent over 17 years working within the industry, having gained experience in various roles across both healthcare and social care. Mark is passionate about improving the sector, both for those accessing services and those working within it. Hi, Mark. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thank you very much for having me. Um, so to start with, Mark, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yes. So I wear many hats when it comes to social care. So my, my nine to five kind of day job, so to speak, is as a regional business manager for Essex Cares. Um, and I oversee two contracts for their reablement service. Um, and then outside of my day job, I'm very kind of passionate about social care and I co-founded the Caring View, which is a platform for everybody working in social care, using social care relatives or people that just want to know more. We air every Tuesday um, through a live stream and we also have an exclusive podcast. Um, and then as well as that, I'm also the director for social media and communications at NACAS, which is the National Association of Care and Support Workers. You certainly do wear a lot of hats there. So thanks again for taking time out of your very busy schedule. Um, now, today we're here to talk about uh, mental health challenges in the workplace. Um, so what are some of the main challenges that care workers and those who provide care face when it comes to mental health and wellbeing? Yeah, I think we have to understand what causes those challenges. So I think for me, a lot of it is kind of around the high workload. We obviously know there's a recruitment um, and retention crisis at the moment in social care. Um, so it's adding pressure. I think there's a lot of extra emphasis on actually the current staff that we've got picking up those extra shifts to cover holidays, sickness, overtime bits and pieces, which I think then leads to the emotional toll. I think it's a demanding role. I think a lot of people don't understand quite how demanding it is. It's not that you can leave the shift and kind of turn off you're always thinking about the people you supported whether that's in a care home you're thinking you know what did I do what could I have done better what am I doing tomorrow or if you're a home care worker kind of oh actually I feel a bit bad that I might have left that 91 year old lady and actually I know that actually she's not going to see anybody else and that emotional toll that it then takes on that you absorb yourself as a care worker I think there's obviously a lot of poor working hours within social care there's not much flexible working which is something I'm very passionate and do advocate that we need to change. Um, I think obviously pay isn't great. There's a lack of recognition. And I think all of that kind of builds up into kind of a snowball effect. And I think kind of the main challenges that care workers currently face is accessing mental health support. Um, I think it's things like having time off for paid support. Um, you know, if you need to recover from something, actually, if you're not being paid sick pay, then actually care workers are more likely just to carry on and get on with it, which obviously then leads to burnout. I think we've still got a big stigma around mental health. So I think actually those open conversations that we all talk about actually that we should have still don't happen very freely between teams and between managers and care workers. Um, and I think there's still kind of a lack of empathy and an understanding. I think some of that comes from the stigma. I think some of that comes from misconception of what we see on social media. Um, I think they're just a few of the kind of challenges that care workers are kind of experiencing. It's an incredibly tough area to to work and perform in because I think sometimes uh, care workers they're 
their passion is to make sure that, that other people are, are supported and, and doing well within themselves. And, and it's difficult to then look after yourself when you've got all of those things hanging over you. Um, how can employers and, and organisations better support mental health and, and well-being of care workers and, and those who do provide care? I think for me, it's around actually having a good mental health offer. I think we quite often hear about, oh, we're going to have fruit bowls, we might have Wellbeing Wednesday, which whilst they're all great initiatives, they're not actually tackling the mental health of the, the staff team. I think we need to have peer-to-peer -peer networks. So actually, if, if the workforce don't feel like they can go to their managers or their senior teams, actually they can go to one another, maybe have a mental health champion. I think employee assistance programs are always beneficial, you know, occupational health. And I think they all come at an extra cost. And obviously social care at the moment isn't in a position where they've got loads of free money, despite kind of what people outside of social care kind of think, you know, companies, directors aren't kind of rolling in, in baffles full of money, unfortunately. But I think there's some small tangible things we can do, you know, we can build it into kind of our supervisions, our team meetings, and just start having those conversations. You know, a lot of us now do e-learning since the pandemic and actually could you have kind of training around stress, resilience, self-care, you know, even now with kind of the cost of living crisis, you know, something around financial well-being, you know, and it doesn't have to go into depth. It just could be, you know, a half hour discussion around actually what's everybody doing around finances, you know, are there any tips you can share with one another around budgeting or what are we doing? Um, I think creating a positive workspace, I think quite often, you know, we're so, I think this is everywhere, is that you're just kind of bogged down with your workload. And nowadays it's back to back meetings. And, you know, when you work in a shift, you know, you don't get time to stop. But actually, you can have as much positivity as possible, you know. And I think in social care, you're always told you need to leave your problem at the door and come in and forget about kind of the outside world. And I've always kind of thought differently because I think it's impossible to leave kind of whatever baggage you've got at that front door or at that customer's front door and then go in and pretend that you're all smiley and happy because I think if you've got something going on, we need to acknowledge that and talk about it so actually you can get that off your chest. And I've always had this kind of ethos that if your staff member's got something going on, that's going to go somewhere. They've got to channel it somewhere. And if they're spending most of their time at work, it's either going to go onto their colleagues or onto the people they support, which obviously then directly impacts, you know, that level of care that, that people are receiving and I think it all sounds quite negative and I don't think care workers ever mean to do that I just don't think we necessarily give them the tools to be able to do that in all the workplaces across kind of the UK um, I think a big part of it is just having open conversations it's just actually having that open door you don't have to record everything you can just have an off the record conversation and signpost people and I do have this big thing about actually if we signpost people following it up because I think it's all well and good putting it in front of them but if you've got something and you're struggling with your mental health actually you're probably less likely to actually go and pick up the phone or email somebody so maybe you know a week two weeks down the line actually touch base and just say look no we spoke about this how are you getting on did you ever follow this up is there anything else I can do and just you know having that hand holding session almost just to support people couldn't agree more. I mean, we've seen a huge um, increase in mental health challenges since the onset of COVID. Um, and as an apprenticeship training provider, um, we're working with young, vulnerable people on a day-to-day -day basis. 
And it's something that, that we spearheaded ourselves to make sure that our personal tutors are, are all mental health trained and assessed and they can look after the learners in that way. But there's so much more technology available nowadays, um, not just your standard bits and pieces. We trialled using an EQ um, for our learners, which is like an adventure-based game um, where it talks through the challenges themselves. And that's been hugely successful uh, within the workplace itself. Um, I mean, we've talked about there the actual challenges that, that are faced. What sort of impact can poor mental health have on the quality of care provided to patients or, or clients? I think we've obviously spoken about, obviously, if you're carrying that kind of with you, about where that kind of channels. But I think on top of that, I think, you know, if you're going through something, you know, like poor mental health, and, I, you know, I, I kind of reflect back during COVID, you know, I spent a whole year away from my family. I moved into the care home to support the people that we were looking after and the staff and my wife was high risk. And, you know, that took a real emotional toll on me. But, you know, it could very easily have led to me being kind of demotivated, wanting to quit. And, you know, I ultimately after the year, I did, did resign because actually I wanted to go back to my wife, my children, because that's, you know, what life's all about. And, you know, I think could very easily your mind can be somewhere else then for you kind of make more errors that could be kind of around the medication management it could be around you know forgetting to support somebody at the time that they need it um i think obviously we spoke about obviously how i left my job i think there's a lot of registered managers that and care workers that it just took the emotional toll the pandemic did and you know they disengaged they've left the sector so i think you know the turnover is high and i think then it's a challenge to recruit into those positions because obviously social care doesn't have the most attractive kind of appeal to it because of the pay and the benefits and the working patterns and then you're left with kind of a team that are already kind of burnt out but are still going because they enjoy and they love and they're passionate about social care but have to pick that up um i think ultimately it could lead to more abuse because if you mind somewhere else there's obviously more chance that actually the person you're supporting is going to be you know we spoke obviously about mismedication or it might be that you miss a visit or something and obviously that that obviously neglect kind of creeps in for sure and it obviously has a detrimental effect on on those around you as well if you're not working as as efficiently as you could be that that's additional worries for other team members and and that again can have a knock-on effect to other people's mental health um what, what are some sort of effect, effective strategies for promoting mental health and well-being among care workers and, and those that do provide care and the main things for me is having that open communication you know popping it on the supervision agenda popping it on your team meeting agendas not having you know just one way of kind of advocating and speaking about mental health because one way doesn't fit everybody you know if you've got a system at work you know where i work we use blink actually make sure it's kind of present on that platform is it on the bottom of emails um is it in your staff rooms you know just making it a lot more kind of visible to people so actually it's in front of them so they think oh, actually no actually i do have something going on i'm going to go and talk about that i think practicing self-care you know if you've got peer-to-peer -peer groups you can hold each other accountable you know if you've got mental health champions in the workplace you know they can be somebody that is approachable but also somebody that can you know start that conversation of saying oh you don't seem like you use yourself are you sure you haven't got anything kind of going on and opening that conversation up um i think breaking down the stigma and i think through kind of all those methods that i just spoke about 
you're really able to kind of break down that stigma. And I think once, you know, especially if you're doing it in a team meeting, I think once somebody starts talking, a lot of people are kind of going through that. And I think that kind of, you know, talk about financial well-being, I still think it's a bit of a taboo, even though there's a cost of living crisis that, you know, people don't want to admit actually that they're struggling or, you know what, but I think once one person starts talking about it, I think it resonates with a lot of other people and that conversation then starts. And actually what you've done is you've, you've broken down that stigma of actually you can't afford to pay your bills or, you know, you might be shopping somewhere else at a different supermarket. And actually you probably find that a lot of your colleagues, a lot of your peers are doing that already. I coach is everything within an organization. And I think from what you said there, it's going to be quite a, a big cultural shift for some of these these homes. It does feel sometimes that it's very much a, a, a stiff upper lip British mentality of, oh, you know, I just won't talk about it. I won't talk about it. And I think what you said there about actually following up as opposed to just just treating it like a, a tick box exercise. Yes, we've got a mental, mental health first aider. I've had a conversation, that's it, job's done. But that following it up, making sure that that you, you know, that they are okay can make a huge difference there. <clears throat> I mean, it's it's difficult in those sorts of positions. When when you're working hard, you know, you've you've got to prioritize your workload, you've got to prioritize your patients, you've got to prioritize all sorts of other th- things as well. How can um individuals who do provide care for others prioritize their own mental health and well-being whilst also meeting the needs for those that they care for? Yeah, so I think just touching kind of on the end of the last question before I go and jump in there, something that just popped into my head is I think, you know, you spoke about culture. I think there needs to be a buy-in at all levels. So I think registered managers do a great job of making sure that their care workers and their care teams feel supported. But then quite often there's nothing for the registered manager or the deputy manager. And actually there needs to be that buy-in from directors, from CEOs, that actually this is something that we're going to do across the board. Actually, we're going to invest in mental health and you know, real, real change, real culture change and real, you know, input. And I think you'll see that some of that does require a budget and it doesn't have to be, you know, a massive budget because a lot of the things you can do, there's so many free resources out there. I think in terms to answer your questions of how individuals can kind of prioritise their own mental health, I think for me, it's, you know, learning to say no. I think, you know, if you're working somewhere and there's loads of shifts that need covering and you don't feel like you can give 110% because you've already picked up two extra shifts that week is it's okay to say no. You know, you're employed on a contract and you don't necessarily have to pick up any extra work. You know, you've got personal commitments, whether that's family, whether that's hobbies. And, you know, it's okay that you want to prioritise that over, over work. I think in terms of hobbies, it's good to have hobbies. It's good to have interests kind of outside of work, whether that's with your family, with your friends, whether that's something you enjoy doing. I think, you know, a lot of care workers that I speak to, Lego seems to be something they all enjoy. And oh, for sure. Lego, I've got some over there. Um, (laughs) But it could be painting, it could be gardening. I think anything that just kind of takes you away from kind of the struggles that you're facing onto something that you enjoy doing. And I think if you find something you enjoy doing, do that more. And if there's something that you don't enjoy, do that less if you can. Um, I think one thing we can all do is take breaks that we're entitled to, you know, the amount of times that I sit at my desk and I just eat and carry on working when actually should probably go outside and spread, um, stretch my legs and just get a bit of fresh air or, you know, and even if you don't want to go outside, you know, take that 20 minutes you're entitled to, you know, go on your phone, do something for you, read a book, you know, 
because that's time that you're, you know, you're not going to get back. It's time that you can put into something else. I think connect with others and it doesn't have to be somebody in your workplace. It doesn't have to be a friend. You know, I think there's so many forums since, you know, since the pandemic. So there's so many Facebook groups for care workers. There's so many, you know, different, you know, LinkedIn groups. There's people on Twitter and actually you might find it more beneficial speaking to somebody you don't know because you don't have that kind of stigma attached to it and I think if you can find somebody that you can really resonate with and I think I kind of spoke about obviously my experiences during the pandemic and I know when I was kind of going through an outbreak in the care home I was managing at the time there was one other registered manager in a very similar situation to me and actually I found it really beneficial just to pick up the phone to her talk about kind of what was going on how I was feeling she was obviously going through very similar things um and I just found that was actually a real beneficial way. And I didn't have to kind of take all of my problems to my wife because obviously we already had our own problems where we weren't, you know, living together. I didn't have to take it to kind of my team. So it didn't kind of spread into that. And it was just somebody external as a resource. And actually she's become a really good, good friend of mine that, you know, now we just pick up the phone, you know, probably once, you know, a week, once a fortnight, just catch up, you know, just talk about how things are going and it kind of, you know, and we still have that support there around whatever aspect it is around whether actually we're facing recruitment problems, whether it's marketing or whatever it is. So um, I think obviously the biggest bit of advice is I think if you're listening to this and you are going through something is, you know, you might need to be seeking professional advice. And I think a lot of people will be thinking, actually, no, I do probably need to do that. And then that stigma kicks in or that kind of fear that actually are they going to judge me and I think it's safe to say that the doctors aren't going to judge you we're all there to support you all the healthcare professionals are there to kind of support and be there and I think um, mental health now is something that's so widely spoken about there's a lot more information out there and I think if you're still not ready to go to a professional is maybe look about whether there's somebody within you know health and social care that's doing this kind of on the side as a business you know that you can go and speak to there's a lot of kind of mental health kind of champions and advocates that, you know, hold sessions for care workers, you know, for registered management, for basically anybody working in the sector that you could probably reach out to. And I'm more than happy, you know, if anybody's listening to this and kind of wants me to signpost, more than happy for people to drop me kind of an email or or a message. And I'm more than happy to kind of signpost to kind of the colleagues that I know that offer that service. And I think the only other thing is just hold yourself accountable. I think you know your own limits. Don't push yourself beyond those those limits and yeah, just stay true to yourself. And yeah, just going back to kind of what I said at the beginning, it's okay to say no. Absolutely. I mean, it's like you say, it's so easy, especially now that we're working in, in unique working um, situations where you do just sort of sit down and you crack on with the day. And the next thing you know, the day's gone by and you haven't had a lunch break. Um, I'm quite lucky and I, I live right next to a giant park. So I have a tendency to get out and go for walks um, at any given opportunity. I think when I've been, when COVID first kicked off, I, I struggled a lot, mostly with things like social media and, and things like that. It was just a, an absolute minefield of negative um, sort of energy there. And, and I, I just had to get away from all aspects of social media, which is quite difficult to do when you work in marketing. Um, and all of a sudden, that was like a huge weight had been lifted off of me, but I was still feeling that that negativity around me. I was still feeling down. And it was the simplest sort of exercises that, that got me back into to feeling who I was, getting the, the blood pumping a bit. And when I say exercise, I don't mean like getting up and running 
20k or anything like that. I'm talking about like a one kilometer walk to, uh, at lunchtime just to get the blood pumping again. And then you feel as though you've actually had a, a step away from it all. Um, you mentioned that, that free resources and your availability to direct people um, in, in the right, right sort of area. And we ourselves, we work with Shout um, 8258 quite regularly. And they've been a huge supporter and a huge help to, to everything that we've been doing and especially for our learners. Um, massive thanks to you for being a guest here today. I appreciate you taking time out of the, the schedule that you've got. Um, and I, I, I've learned a lot today. And I think that our listeners not only would have learned something, but they've, they've got something actionable that they can take away from there. Um, huge thanks for listening to candle conversations um we hope you enjoyed our deep dive into mental health strategies and you can actually find out more information um uh, about this heading over to uh, nacas which is the national association of care work care and support workers and their website is nacas n-a-c-a-s.co.uk um thanks again for your time today mark that's all for this episode and see you next time Thank you very much for having me.